listeners, welcome to episode 125 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. I am your teacher. That was a really terrible trumpet. I'm very sorry. I've got very little steam today and I do apologise in advance. Uh, episode 125, joining me in the parlour today from all the way in wherever they are. It's the delightful return of Holly Swinyard. Hi, Holly. Oh, hello. hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm currently in. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, that went weird. Can you it hear did, me? Didn't it? That I can now. Good. Okay. <laughs> Hello, I'm here. I promise. Um, <laughs> For a minute there, I thought you'd just had a small chat with me and then hung up. Like, actually, no. no. <laughs> Sorry. Bye. Yeah. No, I am here. I promise. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Hello. Hi. <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, you lovely listeners might remember Holly from the, I want to say, 2018 live show because I feel like the 2016 one would have been just too long ago. Yeah, I think 2018. I think that sounds about right. I mean, I, I kind of feel like I've lost two years of my life. And so I'm like, it feels like it was about two years ago. So that's probably correct. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've got the opposite problem in that everything to me feels like it was a thousand years ago and I've got no concept of actual time anymore. <laughs> no. It's going to be one or the other, isn't it? It's like, what did the pandemic do to your understanding of time? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have, you, uh, have you gained several years or lost two of them <laughs> oh what a what a brilliant time it's been but let's not go into that let's go into holiday what's been going on with you that's a loaded question for, oh, <laughs> since 2018 um, since 2018 what have i done um i wrote two books well done yeah one of which came out in september last year which you can go and get now it's called a guide to tv and film cosplay might be the other way around i didn't name it the publishers <laughs> named it and then every time i continuously forget what it's called and i'm like okay <laughs> if, if you want to say it again the other way around yeah. and i'll just edit around it exactly. i won't um I won't at a all. Guy, it's a guide to tv i'm just gonna look it up you know what i'm just gonna look it up that's probably the easiest <laughs> thing to do isn't it like just double check like what the book's called yeah <laughs> guide to film and tv cosplay that's what it's called there we go there we go <laughs> that's ridiculous i can't believe i did that that's hilarious <laughs> I literally, it's okay. So, funny story. It's because initially, uh, it was it was one book, and then the publisher decided to split it into two books, and ah. so it got changed. And I didn't. It was just like a guide to cosplay. That was kind of what it was really. Um, and so it got split into two books, and then I kind of completely forgot what little kind of paraphrases were put into each book title. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> To the point that, like, at one point I was talking to my publisher about it about the e- in the emails, and she was like, are you talking about the first book or the second book? And I'm like, the first one. She's like, well, you've been calling it by the second book's name the entire time. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> my bad. A Guide to Film and TV Cosplay, which is published by Pen and Sword Publishing, White Owl, the little subset of that. And it's... a it's not actually, like, I think people think it's like a guide with tutorials and stuff in it. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's a history of cosplay and uh, how to get involved in the community and how to get started. So there is information about that sort of stuff, but it's more focused on like the community and the social elements and like talking about what cosplay is and what it means and what the community represents as opposed to maybe having loads of tutorials in there because there are amazing books on that and we there are amazing makers and people doing that online and you know in published books they don't need another one but actually there's no books about like the importance of the cultural element of this thing and the fact that humans have been dressing up as long as there have been humans like we really like doing it you know it is fun to be fair 
and it kind of it's sort of this imbuing yourself with a character is something that like people did right back in ancient times like before we had history people would stand around a campfire and put masks on and paint their faces and imbue themselves with a character or a, an animal or something like that like humans like doing that so it's just kind of a new iteration of things that we've been doing for a very long time. And it was really fun to kind of go and research that and look into it and talk to historians and things who have amazing ideas about like humans connection to costume and storytelling and kind of be able to place cosplay within that sort of sphere of ideas was, was fascinating. So, you know, it's the same reason we do drag and LARP or historical reenactment or people do Amdram, all this sort of stuff. People want to play, they want to explore, they want to be different people. Some people might make a job out of it, but others, it's it's just an innate thing humans want to do. It's pretty interesting, to be honest. <laughs> it is, actually. I'm glad we had this conversation because based on the title, I thought it would be skewing more towards a book about literally how to kind of thing which is why I didn't buy it because I <laughs> I am somebody so <laughs> like just to throw out there I'm not I'm not gonna sugar the pill I didn't buy your book I'm very sorry <laughs> um but it's because and so I am somebody who I do love dressing up but I am what I wholeheartedly call like a budget cosplayer in the sense that I have got zero technical skills at sewing or crafting or building or making or carpentry type stuff (laughs) so like i'm the kind of person who if there's a uh you know a a cosplay to be done for whatever reason i am going to go out and buy clothes that i can adapt (laughs) vaguely in the easiest way possible to make as close to i wrote a whole section of the book about that because i was like yes that's valid people that's fine (laughs) absolutely do that that's great. I love it. That's really nice because as much as I've, because I have tried really hard in the past and I do do things like I can cross stitch, but I can't do things like if you said to me, make a skirt, I'd be like, ha, ha, ha. no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Well, um, that's part of what I wanted to write about was that anybody can do this. You don't have to be Yaya Han. You don't have to be the best and most amazing costume builder in the world and i think that social media particularly has massively skewed what cosplay looks like and what people assume cosplay to be into this you must be perfect at all times mentality you must look like this thing you must create it perfectly and you must do it for the consumption of others and that's that's not what it is at all and that was so much what i wanted to put across was like if you want to just buy clothes and modify them that's fine if you want to buy a pre-made existing costume off the shelf and wear it that's also fine. There is no wrong way to do this. You enjoy it the way you want to enjoy it. Because let's be honest, all it is is putting stupid clothes on and going out and having fun. Like you can take it as seriously or not seriously as you want. And all of those are equally valid and nobody should make judgment on it. And if they are, they're being mean and bullies and I don't like it. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Now I am. Um, I am going to get the book now. I will. <laughs> just just because i am i was like i say i was worried that i was going to pick it up and it was going to be like here's a load of skills you don't have and i'd be like (laughs) start crying and put it at the bottom of my to read pile like (laughs) no no like literally i would say the majority of the book is about firstly there's a huge bit about the history of it all um Mm -hmm. and then like what i call adjacent costuming hobbies (laughs) (laughs) the same banner but then also just like a load of stuff about like i said about going to your first convention if you're like, I think a lot of people picked up cosplay as a hobby through the pandemic because of things mm-hmm. like TikTok and lots of them haven't been to conventions before. And I was like, if you haven't been to one, 
you don't know what to do. And so I just decided to write in loads of stuff about that and a whole section about how cosplay isn't consent and you need to think about this and we need to take it more seriously and don't sexually assault people. It's bad, shockingly. And just stuff like that about like self-care, like don't burn yourself out trying to get a costume finished. And if you've had a whole day in an uncomfortable costume at a convention, make sure you've got stuff to look after yourself in the evening. Like just little things that I think people don't think about because they kind of think it's just about this moment of the costume and not everything else that goes around it. Like, how do you make friends? How do you meet people? How do you blah, blah, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I need that advice just in life in general. Yeah, I mean, so I I'm like, oh, I'm just sat here like, oh, how to make, yeah, I, I'll, how do you make friends? You go on the internet and you talk to people. Uh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk to people. No. I've got five <laughs> friends. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a select uh, a select good few. That's what I like to say. Yeah. Um, I wish I'd have known you uh, back when I did my very first and only cosplay at Thought Bubble. I forget which year it was, but I was like one year I just got it into my head. I was like, I'm going to be Wolverine. I am just for a laugh because I love Wolverine and also I love having stupid hair. I've <laughs> seen that. I think oh, I've seen pictures you, of it. You may have done. I, I, what I did was I did my hair in victory rolls so That's that it awesome. looked kind of like the spikes, but not really. Um, and I and I got a you know and I got all dressed up and then I I think I spent a sum total of about twenty minutes actually at, on the Thought Bubble con floor before I was like Jenny, she, my friend who was with me, I was like Jenny. I'm sweating so bad I might die. (laughs) Why am I wearing a leather jacket in here? What am I doing? What am I doing? So (laughs) the only time I've I've gone to an event during the pandemic was to Fantasy Forest, which is essentially the UK's equivalent of Ren Fair. And it's nothing like an American Ren Fair because it's done in the UK. So, of course, it's not. Um, (laughs) It's much more like what happens if you take like a weird pagan market and a historical reenactment day and smush them together with like a... (laughs) folk festival that's what fantasy forest is and it's amazing it Um, it is great i absolutely recommend it but we went to that because we thought it's an outdoor event it'll be fine and it was the one day in 2021 that decided to be hot that weekend (laughs) that weekend and like so the first day we kind of managed because like it was okay we were very hot but we, we got through it we survived the second day i'm there in like my full moist von litvig outfit like head to toe regency gold amazing i literally i made it through i decided to do the cosplay competition because i hate myself literally (laughs) on the day just decided to do it and i made all the way through that and then literally i was just like get it off me and and in the car park in like a regency shirt with like everything else off and i just poured this bottle of water over myself (laughs) and i was just like i am reenacting pride and prejudice darcy coming out of the lake that's what i'm doing right now I've oh, never been so hot in a costume in my life. I have never once been like still in costume and just been like, douse me with water now <laughs> or I will die. <laughs> oh, no, I can't cope in the, in the hot weather just sort of sitting around in my house in a pair of shorts and a yeah. flimsy T-shirt. So I mean, I've done I've worn like my Hux costume in the height of summer, like when MCM has been really hot. I've done that. Uh, that was horrible. But it sounds um, it. <laughs> So to be fair, I can't be too mad because that was the weekend that I met Egg, my now partner. Like that was the first time we met. We saw each other across Aww. a crowded room. They were dressed as Kylo. I was dressed as Hux. It was fate. Uh, That's amazing. That is amazing. It was very funny. <laughs> uh, and then we just went, I'm going to die. I'm so hot. Why am I wearing a wool coat? <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm making cosplay sound super fun. <laughs> but also like, oh, God. 
yeah I love cosplay there's so much about it I absolutely adore and so much about it I'm like could do without that thanks but isn't that true of every hobby isn't that well to be fair I think if I'm gonna sweat to death I'd rather sweat to death like in a fun costume than just Mm -hmm. wearing my regular clothes exactly (laughs) and like I said I think absolutely everyone should have a go at it at least once because it's fun and I don't think people should turn their noses at it up at it because where would be the joy in that just just see where the mood takes you if like I said you want to just buy some clothes that look like a character Disney bound it you know cool that's fun that's really cool I love those they're really creative and interesting or you know buy something they're not even that expensive you can get really good quality costumes now off the internet that look right and fit well for not that much money Mm -hmm. it's great it's like a golden age um it is a good time to be interested in cosplay I think the the best costume I ever did was possibly one of the easiest as well because I, I went to a my sister's Halloween party a few years ago as Fiona from Adventure Time, oh, awesome. which was essentially like have a blue T-shirt and a blue skirt on uh, and a stupid hat <laughs> and just just took in a bit of blonde hair drizzling out the front, job done, yeah. job run around with a sword, hit people with it. It's great. It. You have the best fun as well. <laughs> I, I think some of my costumes that have been the most well received have been the ones that either like are just really, really simple. And people are like, you know, particularly kids, if they recognize you, they love it. Or the ones where, you know, maybe I've put way too much time into them and definitely like more effort than and then I really should have into something being that simple. But they get like a lot of love and that's absolutely worth it. And I know, like I said, you shouldn't do it for other people, but there is something about like connecting with people who love the same thing as you and being yeah. able to go, oh, yeah, you like the thing. I like the thing. You know, same hat, same hat, you know, <laughs> you know elbow wiggles at each other. It's hilarious. Um, I, I just love that. And that's what I think cosplay does. Like, I love seeing people wearing the same costume as me because I'm like, oh, but specifically because I do kind of obscure things anyway. So it's really exciting mm-hmm. once you see someone doing or who recognizes what you're doing. That's that's awesome. But even when you're not, like seeing someone who matches you and being able to like talk about the costumes together and be like, oh, how did you do that bit? Oh, yeah, I found this bit tricky. Or, you know, oh, I love how you you did this. Can we exchange? It's great. And I think it's so wonderful to be able to do that with people and get excited about the thing together. And there is no better way to show how much you love a thing than to literally wear it on your body. Like that's what sports fans do. It's what, you know, anybody who kind of connects themselves to a tribe, I guess, does in some way. And mm. and cosplay is just that to a expensive and extreme version. <laughs> Doesn't have to be expensive, yeah. but it can be. Says me, who's currently getting clone armor made, so I know how expensive. <laughs> <it can be. laughs> that sounds very impressive, though. I do. Uh, I follow a few different like cosplayers on um, Instagram and stuff, and I'm always amazed by. I, I don't know why. It's always the weaponry that gets me. Like even though I so know cool, that there's it? like a yeah, even though I know that there's like probably a thousand percent you know of skill going into the actual clothes i'm just there like, like she's got a massive gun and it lights up lads look at this <laughs> very <excited>. yeah <laughs> i think that sometimes there are just things that i like i can i always zone in on things like weathering it sounds ridiculous if someone's done really good weathering on a costume i'm like mm, yeah give it to me give it to me give it to me. it's great i love it yeah I, I wish i could remember who it was but there was somebody i want to say last year who did like a 80s she-ra costume but more sort of practical <laughs> because let's face it the 80 she was not fighting shit in that outfit <laughs> no, um no 80s she- i mean i don't have an issue with the 80s human or she-ra cartoons i think they're a bit of their time shall we say yeah but yeah the, the costumes aren't hella practical no, not at all not at all i mean i i will 
self-professed that I absolutely adore both He-Man and She-Ra, but I'm under no illusions that that whole series was made. They were both made to sell toys, and so all of the women are the exact same body model in the animation because it saved time and money. So it's just like a case. Of here's it's like those dolls you used to get like paper dolls in magazines with like different outfits. It's just like take that outfit yeah, off, put the I mean, wrong. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Transformers fan, so I completely know what it's like to be like, I love this thing, but I know it was made to sell toys to children. Um, yeah, yeah. But there, there was a, a cosplayer last year who shared some um, videos on uh, Instagram of this like amazing like breastplate that she made that was much more sensible than the actual one <laughs> from the cartoon and she, i'll have to see if i can find it out because she'd done this like amazing weathering so it looked like she'd just been in like an epic scrap <laughs> i love that i love yeah. it i like so as much as i you know i every cosplayer has their own style and their own way of doing things but give me a cosplay that's been like that looks like it's been through hell and looks like you know obviously if they're not the characters like disney princesses or whatever that doesn't make sense but like you know if a, give me the correct weathering on a costume correct in inverted commas there is no correct way to do anything but it's art it's subjective but you know what i mean like that thing if you look yeah. at a costume and go damn that looks like you joel from the last of us or whatever have actually been doing living in a apocalypse situation like i love that i think it's yeah. great and i love seeing it when like um, particularly people who do like stormtroopers and stuff like that, you don't just get the perfect stormtrooper armor. So like you can mm-hmm. see that maybe they've been through something. I think that's really cool. So yeah, yeah it's, it's sometimes great. cosplayers are better, better at that than the you know people who run TV shows and things. I, I mean, will die on the hill of where's everybody shaving their beards in Walking Dead times. Gosh, who's <laughs> shaving <laughs> their armpits and their legs? What? Yeah. What do you do? I mean, I'm not. I, I don't do that anyway. But oh, <laughs> but even if I did, I definitely wouldn't be doing it in an apocalypse. I'd be I like, come on, there. I feel sorry for costume designers and makers on shows and films and stuff because mm-hmm. I absolutely guarantee you that they are not making those decisions. That's being yeah, made yeah, by oh, somebody no, else. Absolutely. And it's like people are always like cosplayers could do it better, and it's like it, no. <laughs> well, firstly, cosplayers have a lot of time to work on like one thing, and. Mm. Can normally only have to kind of stand in a static position so it doesn't even need to necessarily be that practical or wearable it could literally fall apart after you've done the shoot or the convention or whatever and nobody would care that's mm-hmm. not true of films or tv or theater you know and it may be that you don't have any time you don't have enough budget you've you know i mean we've, i've got friends who've worked on films and the amount of horror stories that i've heard about like being told you had to get a prop done in a time in the time that you could never actually get that prop done so it it might not look as good as that person would like it's ridiculous and it's nobody's fault but somebody at the top of the pile wanting to go i mean that's why we had like the threats of strikes and all that kind of stuff it's because of this and so i'm yeah. always a bit like whenever i see someone be like oh look cosplayers could do it better i'm like cosplayers aren't constrained by anything else cosplayers have the joy and the privilege to create their favorite characters in the way they want in as much time as they want to do it in Uh, essentially with you know they might be working on a tight budget but they can choose where that budget goes you know it's a hobby not a profession and i think we have to like they're both incredibly amazing things this is not to disparage cosplayers absolutely i love what cosplayers do it's it's wonderful and a lot of them move into film and theater and stuff like that but I don't like seeing people who don't know the ins and outs of how these things work. Yeah. I'll like, still die on that beard hill, though. I'm not having it. That's silly. Perfect hair. Like, like I don't even, I, my favourite one is, like, why does Wonder Woman have, like, perfectly shaped eyebrows and, like, shaved legs and all this sort of stuff? I'm like, their mascara, like, who's who's <laughs> doing their, like, beauty treatments on their mascara? It's, it's pretty good, you know? And also, why do they care that much? Like, are they doing it for... Uh, the dolphins i don't know like 
why is this a thing? Why do you have Western <laughs> beauty standards that didn't yeah, even exist at weird. the time that it's yeah. meant to be set? It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. The um the one that gets me as well is that trope you always get in like it's it's always in films and TV where it's like somebody's had a bad day and they've decided to cut off all their hair, but it's perfect. It's like, mate, I spend ages meticulously trying to straighten my fringe because I'm too I'm still too scared to go to a hairdresser. And believe you me, the slightest little bit that goes wrong, it's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> There's people oh. like hacking off a whole ponytail, and then it's like, look at this perfect pixie cut. I, I love that it's like that bit in Tangled, isn't it, where he like cuts her hair with the yeah. the, the mirror or whatever it is, and she gets like the most amazing sort of choppy bob, and I'm like. <laughs> Flynn, what's your magic? My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> He's just found, like, the, the rest of that sort of happily ever after was him actually opening his own salon and whatnot because he's <laughs> somehow amazing at hair. <laughs> I'd watch that. No, I'm too, sad actually. that that wasn't in the Tangled Ever After cartoon. That would have been great. <laughs> it really would have. That would have been so oh, good. Oh, I love Tangled. So good. So good. It really is. Anyway, sorry. Uh, we were talking about your book. Do you want to give it one more little plug before yeah, you start okay, waffling so- about The way I talk about cosplay is not dissimilar to how I talk about cosplay in my book, but in more depth. And I did a lot of research, so I I kind of want people to like enjoy the research and stuff like that. But it's called uh, A Guide to Film and TV Cosplay, and it's out with pen and sword books. You can get it everywhere, which is really exciting, Uh, like Amazon (laughs) and Waterstones and Barnes & Noble and Blacksmiths. Yeah, bookshops. You can get it in any bookshop you want. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it online. You can get it on uh, pretty much I'm just out of ideas now you can find it places though it's great and you can even get it from the publisher direct as well but that's up Excellent. to you and there is also a digital copy of it as well so that's nice but I the book itself is a really nice sort of coffee table style book so it does look lovely and it's got a picture of a, my friend Martin as a absolutely spot on Falcon from the MCU on the cover he looks great he really does yeah he looks really good <laughs> and I'm really pleased that we got to put that on the cover it meant a lot to me to be able to do that did you did you sort of manage all the photography in the book as well or yes yeah, so for the photos are all taken by my other half who's a photographer Wonderful. Uh, and it was a bit unfortunate because we had a load of shoots planned and then oh no the pandemic had <laughs> <laughs> Hooray. sift through years of convention photography that we'd done and they'd mm-hmm. done at various different points to find a really good mix of pictures for two books so that was like a hundred wow. uh, 200 pictures we had to do we managed to get maybe two or three shoots done in various bits of times and i'm very grateful to Gemma and laura who also put pictures into the book and also to every because we got a load of historical pictures from conventions from like the 30s and stuff like that and the, uh, all the way through to the 1980s we got a load of Ooh. historical images and they're amazing and so like the archivists who who collected those were incredible and the people who gave me pictures of their convention times in the 80s and 90s were just a joy to speak to and they're they're awesome as well so and actually do you know the really fun thing is so my mum used to be a historical reenactment do historical reenactment even and we have pictures of her at my age doing historical reenactment in the book which is oh that's that's brilliant yeah yeah that was really awesome and those were take those were taken by my dad and my granddad so it's really nice to be able to include that sort of stuff in the book as well as like images that my partner took and friends of mine took and of my friends and like i think as many i fit as many people in the uk cosplay community as possible into it i was like just get them in there everybody you know i want as many different people 
like we made a massive con- effort to make sure we had as many like people of color, people of different body types, people with disabilities, you know, people of different skill levels, all this sort of stuff. It wasn't just I want everybody to look completely perfect the whole time. I want this to be interesting and to show the difference between the people in the scene. And that was like a really big thing for me was to do that. And it was a shame that obviously we didn't get to do as many shoots as we wanted to do because I wanted to even I wanted to increase that even further. And it it was a bit, you know, we were constrained by the pandemic. I can't like pretend that we weren't. And so I can't pretend that there are parts in particularly in the second book where I'm a little disappointed that we didn't get the pictures we wanted to take. But, you know, you make do and we did what we could. And like I said, we got some amazing pictures from some amazing photographers in there. So and also, again, like a load of the second book, which is coming out in April, uh, which is a guide to manga, anime and video game costumes cosplay. Focusing much more on the Japanese side of things, looking into the history of cosplay in Japan predominantly and like pop culture in Japan. And uh, again, was fascinating to research all of that and to talk about and and things. That was that was a real shame because we I really wanted to like showcase the amazing costumes that you can get from anime. But we we didn't get the chance, which, you know, it is what it is. But I still think, like I said, I still think we did it proud and I still think we did it well. And I'm still I'm really amused by the early reviews that are coming out. (laughs) Because a lot of them are like, this is only about manga. And I'm like, yes, uh, yes, it is. <laughs> I reference that there is a f- another book, a first book that is about other things in this book. Oh, yeah. brilliant. There are two. <laughs> so that, that's amused me quite a lot that like I've had multiple reviews saying that. And I'm like, I'm just going to ignore that. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. I, I, if I were you, I just I just wouldn't really look at the reviews. <laughs> I tend not to. It was just because like one of those things because I, I'd seen that it had gone up as pre-sales because mm-hmm. it is you can pre-order it now <laughs> and i was like oh cool and so you kind of get the the, the the early reviews on there and i was like oh I'll just see what people have said and they're very very nice and I'm, I'm really pleased with the reception the book's got both of them in fact but i was a bit like huh de- okay whatever i'm just gonna not pay attention to the reviews anymore because that's silly yeah reviews are uh reviews are weird. like i've started getting a beam up on it as late about um reviews on goodreads because personally, I have a beam up on it anyway about the fact that you can only give five stars because that's not enough stars for me. And what if a book is average? Do I give it two or do I give it three? What do I do? Panic. Yeah. Um, but the number of reviews that, that you see where it's people just saying things like uh, oh, one star, it's, uh, I don't like romance novels and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah. why, are you, why are you reading and reviewing a romance novel? Then you absolute yeah. number two. <laughs> like, I've had a, I, it was so funny because like the first book kind of, maybe i've been spoiled because the first book got like loads and loads of five star reviews and i was like oh my god and then the second book <laughs> been kind of like steadily four stars and i'm like no it's not as good oh no <laughs> oh no i'm sure it's just people going but where's that tv show that i like <laughs> i think i think you know, i think when people see like anime and manga and video games i think it gets a slightly different reaction and i think also because it is so heavily fo- the second book is very heavily focused on japan um i think a lot of people might not get the same vibe as they got from the first book because they are two very different beasts yeah so, yeah you know and i wanted them to be otherwise it would be boring um and also like i kind of carry on conversation like don't carry on that's not so but like i'll be like we talked about this particular subject in the first book so i'm going to do a sort of next part of that like kind of what do you do mm-hmm. once you've done this you yeah. can now do this you know because there's no point talking about the same topics again or at least i didn't think there was so i kind of was just like if you're interested in these things, they're in the other book. They go together. They are companion pieces to each other. And therefore, you need to judge them as one thing. Because otherwise, it's going. To, I felt 
personally, it was going to be super boring to be like, or at least boring to write, to be like, yeah, we'll talk about exactly the same topics again, you know, when there's so yeah. much more to talk about. You know, it, it was very, it was a, it's a very different beast, the second book. And that doesn't make it, I personally think that makes it more interesting. But I would yeah. say that, I wrote it, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't say anything because I haven't read either of them, but eventually I will, and then I'll have opinions. <laughs> 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 or I won't have opinions at all, which means I hated it and I'm trying to keep that on the down. No, I mean, it's OK, because I'm not going to write. <laughs> I, I definitely don't want to write about cosplay anymore. That sounds awful. I run a magazine about cosplay, but I'm a bit like writing about a bit done with writing about it at the moment because it's like that's all I've thought about for two years. Yeah. <laughs> I need to write about something yeah, else. It's- yeah, writing is definitely one of those things that, like, yeah, it's not, it's not, for me anyway, I always used to find, not that I've done an awful lot of writing, but um, that when I did, that sometimes it'd be a case of, like, I'd get sick of certain characters and things because I'd be like, do you know what, I think I'm done with you. <laughs> Don't want this anymore. Something else. Yeah. Because it's keeping yourself interested as well as the audience, isn't it? It is. But anyway. And I, I want, you know, I, I, it's why I think I've started writing fiction for a bit. You know, I'm writing a novel because I was like, I need to do something else. I need to do something very, very distinctly different for a while. <laughs> Cleanse so, the creative part. Yeah, exactly. Of that. I'm just going to, yeah. let's, let's try something <laughs> else, which is fun. And also because I went, I'm going to have three point of view characters so I can't get bored. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's certainly a way to approach it. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm going to write somebody else for a bit now. It's okay. They're not even three separate point of view characters. It's three separate point of view characters and two different worlds to each other so if i get really frustrated with one i can literally be like i'm going to a different universe (laughs) (laughs) i'm moving on (laughs) i'm going over here for a bit i'll finish your chapter later you're being you're misbehaving it's funny (laughs) (laughs) well i have to make sure to get you back on the show when that comes out so that we can all yeah i'll read that one first (laughs) pray for me to get a publisher interested in it i'm doing the fun thing of like I have like finishing the manuscript so I can shop it around at the moment and it's really stressful. I'm like, yeah. please be finished so that I can start talking to agents. <laughs> <laughs> Just start dangling some narrative carrots. I think so. I think it, oh now. Ah it's, <laughs> it's about cryptid shit. No. Uh <laughs> you don't have to talk about no. it if you're not in a place. That's it's fine. Than, I was just a bit like, oh, oh yeah. Uh it, it's <laughs> basically I wanted to write about like fairies and the fae but i wanted to make them really scary and not just scary in the way that often people i feel like a lot of the time people kind of go down this sort of oh i don't want to do fairies so i'm going to do like old school fairies i literally went no i'm going to make them horrible cryptid creatures and nothing can stop me (laughs) (laughs) they're they're terrifying and i am worried that they came from my brain um yeah you just have to keep reminding yourself that it's like just because it's coming from your brain it doesn't mean it's actually you know who you are because yeah, like, exactly. i think i think you know horror movies generally would be a pretty a pretty sound way of immediately putting people into prison for having <laughs> written and directed oh, them so there's that um, <laughs> manga artist whose name I can never remember but who did like the thing where it's like that's my hole you know that and, and that very very <laughs> disturbing very disturbing uh, horror manga and he's like yeah. the happiest man in the world like I've never seen somebody so joyful and I'm like oh maybe if you just get it all out in your work the rest of your life's just stress-free uh- <laughs> <laughs> well I mean I've said this before about about like consuming that sort of media because like me and Rich we watch a lot of like horror movies and slasher movies and that sort of thing and people have said to me before like isn't that a bit fucked up though space isn't that a bit fucked up and I'm like well, 
like I'm not actually going out murdering people, so I think it's it's a good it's catharsis, isn't yeah. it? To I mean, you know, I don't get those really things like, out. I don't like horror movies particularly, but I absolutely mm. love like a good ghost story, like a good like creepy ghost story, and even things like I really like weird fiction, so like Lovecraft. I know he was a terrible, awful person, but he's mm. dead now, and nobody benefits from me reading his books, so it's fine. <laughs> um, like he had. There's no estate. There's no nothing. He died in a pauper's grave. Grave, as is want of his kind. No, uh, <laughs> terrible racists you suffered in life. There you go. Yeah. Um, but his, you know, the work he created is fascinating, and even more mm. fascinating when you connect it with his his own ideas, because then you're like, oh, you were just scared of the world. Yeah. And that, that came out as as racism and homophobia and all these other things not a good thing just an interesting reason um but it means that like the weird fiction that he kind of sparked and then others continued is fascinating and i think that that you know it, it's scary but it's not scary in a like it's more existential i guess yeah yeah i really like that whereas i'm, I'm not too fond of of a man coming into my house with a machete um <laughs> Yeah, no, I can. Uh, yeah, I I prefer the kind of horror movies that are ridiculous. Like a Freddy Krueger, I'm fine with because I'm like, there's no sleep demon. It's okay. But if it's a movie where it's like this guy stalks a woman, I'm like, no, no, I don't want that. No, no, I'm good. I, I do not want that. Thanks. Yeah, but I I've got to say I absolutely love like horror video games. Like I'm a big Resident Evil fan, and I think it might yes. be because they are utterly ridiculous. You just get to a point with yeah. horror games, you're like, this is silly. This is very silly. <laughs> Like even like yeah. Silent Hill, it's a bit silly. Do you know, what? I've ne- I've never played or seen anybody play a Silent Hill because like hey, here's the thing, right? As much as I love horror stuff, I am a ginormous wuss. I cannot. <laughs> I watched my uncle play Resident Evil and I helped him with all the puzzles and stuff. But then any time he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go to the loo. Do you want the controller?" I'd be like, "Just pause it," because I'm not I'm not walking around these halls. Are you mad? Yeah. What are you thinking that I'm gonna stroll around and there's zombies everywhere? You're having a laugh. Okay. Um, so especially now because they're in first person i'm like i can't play these anymore i'm just gonna have to watch let's plays because or watch mm. my friends play them whatever because they are now too scary because now it's me it's not a person <laughs> controlling it's me um yeah. but i played through a load of the old ones particularly the ones that have like a co-op mode on it which i think is yeah. only five and six but anyway with my uh my old housemate and it got to the point that like his girlfriend who's one of my best friends and we all live together would come home and could walk in and be like ah you're you're doing the resi and we were there like yes and she was like cool i'll see you both in like two days and we'd be like yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) so funny on the uh, on the topic of resident evil have you seen the new movie yet (laughs) no i still haven't watched it i've been told by so many people that they hurt my boy leon and now i'm like yeah so so i yeah i won't i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like go into massive spoiler territory just in case you do really want to see it at some point in the future but so i went into it with like absolutely no expectations whatsoever because it it very clearly had quite a low budget there's not like too many sort of like big names attached or anything um and it sort of came out without much fanfare it was kind of like there was a trailer and then like a couple of months later it was like oh it's here oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even realise. But I, my only caveat for these film, this film was it needs to be more like the game than the Miljovovic ones because as much as I don't think the Jovovich ones are as bad as a lot of people say, they're not Resident Evil to me, like even a team no, wing bit. Like I don't know why you even gave them that title. Why? The, the second one's possibly leaning a little bit towards 
more of the game, but it's still eh, not really. I think especially uh, considering there's animated movies and TV shows that go that fit into the game canon yeah. in time, like you can actually place them in the timeline of the games. And considering that there are something like 26 Resident Evil games, when you kind of work out all the side games, all this sort of stuff, that's impressive mm. for them to have managed. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so I, yeah. I wasn't expecting, like, I wasn't expecting this to blow my socks off. And to be honest, I had quite a fun time with this film. But I was absolutely baffled by Leon because, like, so the film is a lot more like the games in the sense that it's like, oh, um, something's gone wrong at Umbrella. Umbrella have scarpered and left everyone in Raccoon City to turn into a, a zombie before they decide to do them a nuclear murder. You're yeah. like, oh, okay, yes. Yeah, okay, so it's sort of Resi 2. <laughs> we're good. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, sort of what we're expecting. And, you know, there's a lot of characters in there that we've heard of before. And there's a lot of, like, nice little like little Easter eggy bits. And I was like, oh, I'm quite enjoying this, I am. The effects are pretty bad. I'll be honest, but kind of endearingly bad. Like sometimes, oh, it's like, like ah, yeah. well, they try, ah. Uh, <laughs> but the but Leon was just like, ba- like he's an actual buffoon, like a full on. But I don't. I don't know where I am. What's happening? Yeah, like, oh, I've nodded off. Like I understand what? if you like. So the way that friends of mine who've seen it described it to me was they were like. It felt like they did that to Leon to make Claire look more competent and more of a badass. And I'm like, yeah. but Claire is competent and a badass. And so is Leon. You do not need to yeah. bring him down to make her better. They're both great. That's the whole point. Also, they told me that Ada's not in the film, and that made me sad. I was like... Uh, she's in the post-credits. Okay, that doesn't count. No, it doesn't. <laughs> her, the whole point of Resident Evil 2, particularly Leon's story, is tied up in Ada. Like, yeah. So I don't understand why you would ruin Leon's character. When actually there is a per- a woman there who is so, so capable that even him, who is not that incapable, he's pretty fine, he's okay, looks like a buffoon compared to her, but you don't need to nuke his character to do that. And- oh, yeah. Like in this, it's like... It's like he doesn't even know how to operate a gun. Like, you genuinely wonder how he got into the force. Like, how surely he's done training, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, like I, you know, I, I've got to admit, I don't have much faith in the police. Sorry. Uh, don't don't have much faith in it. But the one thing I do know is that most of them can actually operate weapons pretty Yeah, also, well. it's like in America. So, like, wouldn't he just know? Like, don't they yeah. just know? I, that's probably a, a tarring America with a big brush. But, like, I assume that a lot of people in America know how to shoot guns or at least have done it once in their life. But, like... Especially yeah. in training for a policeman, yeah. yeah. And it's just, uh, yeah, there's bits of the film where he's like literally like fumbling with weapons and things, and yeah. you're just like, how are you this much of a, how are you even alive? No, <laughs> like, I'm, how have you gotten through just regular life before now? <laughs> Leon S. Kennedy is like one of the greatest video game like protagonists. Like, I actually mm-hmm. prefer him to Chris and Jill uh, because, I mean, I like them both. They're great. But I think Leon's just fun because he was kind of just there, like thrown into the situation and just went, well, I guess we're rolling with this now. OK. <laughs> and is pretty competent at doing it. But without being like Mr. Superman all the time, I think that's he's yeah. actually very nuanced. And that's great, considering that, like, especially the original version of two came out in, like, I think, like the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, it's quite an early on game. And then like Resident Evil 4, which is, uh, I won't lie, one of the best games I've ever played ever. <laughs> I love it so it's much. It's very good. Yeah. Very good. And like in that game, he's so, he's like sassy and fun, but also like not too in your face. He's not like a massive ladies man. He's actually competent. Like he's really well written. He's likable, yeah. and interesting, while also not being boring. It, it's good, you know? And 
yeah, why would you ruin him? Like, I think most Resident Evil fans can agree that Leon is the best character in the franchise. Yeah. It, well, th- this is the problem, is that it felt to me like they were... The, the rest of the movie feels like, even if they aren't quite hitting the mark, they are genuinely trying to pay some sort of homage to the game. So there's, like, little notes left around or, like, things scrawled on the walls that are very sort of, like, Easter egg like, oh, God, I can't believe they put that in there kind of thing. So it felt to me like they were, like, literally trying to spit in your face by going, look at this, Bellinmo. But let's take the character that, like, collectively all the fans, like, not, I don't think I've ever seen a Resident Evil fan being like, well, I don't like Leon. I don't, I genuinely don't believe that Resident Evil fan exists. I mean, no. they probably do. There's probably one, but, you know. <laughs> Most Resident Evil fans, they're either like, yeah, he's really fun, or yeah, he's great. That's kind of the two (laughs) ends of the narrative for him. And it felt like a really strange decision. Like, Chris, I could kind of understand making him maybe a bit of a cardboard cutout macho man, because he he kind of is. And yeah, yeah, strange, strange decision. Really odd to kind of like be like, we're going to girl boss Claire, which means we have to make Leon rubbish. It, it, does really both, well. it does both of them a disservice, you know? Mm-hmm. If Leon isn't rubbish and Claire, like, if Leon's Leon and Claire is still amazingly competent and still kind of more use than him, doesn't that make her better by comparison? Anyway, I, I don't understand. Yeah, no, it's, it's utterly <laughs> baffling. For, for a, a good sort of three or four scenes that he was in, I my brain hadn't computed that when they were talking about Leon, they were talking about this guy because I... And then eventually I said to Rich, that, that that can't be Leon, right? And he was like, no, no, it is. <laughs> I was like, well, that's, oh, God. That doesn't make any... I feel like I need to watch nonsense. it like and do like a drinking game or something. Just to be like, oh, no, I <laughs> can't cope with this. I'll be honest. Like, I don't think it's a... Te- like, I I think the problem will be whether or not you can put, the, put Leon aside... <laughs> I mean, I cosplay as Leon, so there's the level of love I have. Yeah, see, Leon. I don't know if you'll be able to to put that aside. <laughs> I don't think you'll be able to put that aside. Yeah, because like for me, it was more like so. I I like all the games, but like to a point, like I've never played any of them myself because I'm a big old wuss, and like I've got no like I like them, but I've got I'm not like a yeah, they're not like my baby or anything. So like I was just like, as long as these films are, are more Resident Evil than the, the Yovovich ones. I'll be quite happy. Yeah. So I was quite happy, but I did, but I genuinely was. Like yeah. my sister texted me and she was like, because she loves, she's like a proper Resident Evil fan girl, and she said like, you know, should I watch it? And I was like, mm, depends. How much are you down with an absolute idiot Leon? And she was like, oh, <laughs> like not not at all actually. I was like, oh, yeah. I don't, just don't, yeah. just skip it. Just don't. I'll just tell you what happens later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love them. And like Resident Evil's up there is like one of my favourite fandomy things to the point that like I've considered getting tattoos and stuff from it, but like I, I can't settle on what wouldn't look naff, unfortunately, because like a lot of the symbols and stuff in Resident Evil are a bit or should we say early two thousands. Uh yeah. you know. Yeah. So it's like, oh that's gonna take some thinking through. Um but oh, I love them though. They're great games. I've even played like Code Veronica and stuff like that. Like they're yeah. even some of the ones where you're like, this has gone into like weird weird territory and i think we need to pull it back there was like a period between like the new ones coming out with like um ethan and Mm. like around sort of five and six where like the games got really very strange and the designs became like more and more like fan servicey and stuff like that it it was a bit like i would say like Um. the 2012 point maybe around then anyway and then like that clearly was like people aren't really into that anymore people are kind of getting more into things like the last of us and like uncharted and stuff like that they wanted 
less ridiculous sort of almost cartoony designs and wanted to yeah. go back to surrealism and then you see that with seven and eight which is great i love seven and eight as well i mean not so that i do there are some really great bits in those other games but they are there's one game where like jill's wearing like a tight it's almost like a like a wetsuit <laughs> okay and, like she squeaks when she runs so like the whole time you're playing as her it's just squeak squeak and it's like oh this is awful i hate this <laughs> why is that a mechanic that they chose to put in i don't know and then like the sec like the sequel to that game because they're side ones and i can't remember which ones they're called it'll come to me in a minute is clearly the beginning of them being like we can't we can't do this anymore because it's like that with that happening and like a lady who again is wearing like a weird bodysuit thing but like she has like one she's got one like bare leg and one out leg and like boobs everywhere um <laughs> so you have like that going on in this game it's very strange and then like the second one is suddenly like hyper realism and you're like oh oh that was a big shift <laughs> <laughs> see five five and six are the ones that i haven't seen anybody play because when i when i used to live at home i would watch either my uncle or my mom playing resident evil so the last one i saw was my mum playing resident evil 4 and then i moved in with rich and he didn't get five or six and then we started watching the game grumps play seven which did not get very far because the vr kept making aaron want to puke (laughs) i would have so my favorite one of my favorite gamers is gab smolders who Mm -hmm. you may know as being jack septo's girlfriend but yeah i started following her many moons ago because she does Resident Evil playthroughs and Ah. she's just been replaying all of them because she did them as like when she first started her channel like maybe eight years ago whatever she played them then and now she's decided and then she decided to play through them again um she's also played through all the silent hill games and all the fatal frame games both of which i would absolutely recommend for watching because they're great because also she plays a lot of them in japanese because she speaks japanese and translates them oh okay so you get a lot of more nuance and she like explain when she's playing them she'll have like the subtitles that she's translated or whatever at the bottom but she'll also explain the nuance of what they're saying in japanese which is really interesting uh, yeah. particularly for like fatal frame which is all tied up in japanese uh mythos and uh spiritualism and stuff like that so absolutely recommend her as like i think lots of people go oh she's jacksepticeye's girlfriend it's like yeah she's a genuinely brilliant gamer in her own right <laughs> like genuinely yeah. great and the, her videos are so fascinating and so in-depth like i would yeah. 100% recommend watching her playthroughs of those games particularly Ooh. Uh, has she played six recently? She may not have, but I think she's been talking about doing it. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll have to keep an eye out for it because I watched. We watched um, Aoife from Eurogamer play. Yeah. Is eight the one that's got um, Lady Dimitrescu? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we watched her play that one, and um, yeah, we. <laughs> I really want to see somebody actually get through seven without because Aaron only got as far as. I think it's the first videotape that you find and you start playing through the oh, what they, happens in the yeah. videotape. And that's as far as he got because the the VR was making him feel weird, but he didn't want to play it not VR, which I was like, just just play it not VR, we don't care. Like, it doesn't help us for you to see VR anyway because we're just watching it at home in our Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Makes absolutely zero difference. Um, no, I definitely but, recommend it because she's done two run-throughs of Seven and they're both great. And oh, she's brilliant. done the DLCs as well. So Nice. The DLCs um, are good. There's a bit in one of the DLCs where you play as a guy who punches zombie crocodiles. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I do like one of the things I did love about the uh, the original games was like how quickly it shifts from like oh 
you know, like, here's a dog and here's, like, a person and here's, like, a slightly more fucked up person to, like, oh, ego shark. Yeah. <laughs> what ifs? I love the fact that Resident Evil 1 just went, and we jumped the shark straight away. Literally, let's go. Yeah. Would like, you like a giant tarantula? Not really, but I've got yeah. one. <laughs> or, like, Resident Evil 4, we were just like, okay, this is, we're in a village. Now we're in a castle. I guess there could be a castle. There's a lava room under the castle. Why? Why is this here? <laughs> Oh, I really love those games. Oh, so good. Um, I'm just realising how long we've been waffling already, and we haven't even touched upon Star Wars, which I feel like every time I have you on, we have to talk about. And it's relevant even more so than usual this time because there's new Star Wars content. So much new Star Wars content. We've had so much. We've been blessed. So I will preface this. like a big fan of Clone Wars. I'm having a great time. So I will preface this by saying, I'm sure I've told you this before, but just for, you know, if there's any new listeners who've managed to get through this absolute waffle fest. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love Star Wars, the films. Mm. I've never watched any of the sort of supplementary cartoons. Loved The Mandalorian. And I think that's about where I'm, I haven't read any of the books. Okay, that's fine. I haven't really read the books either. <laughs> My other half reads the books. So I kind of get mm-hmm. bits from them. I... Well, the one thing I will say to almost everybody is if you enjoyed The Mandalorian, watch the cartoons. They are so good. If you liked The Mandalorian, the cartoons just give so much more to that show. Like, understand. And Rebel, Rebels and Clone Wars just add this depth to the universe, uh, particularly like knowing about Ahsoka and her relationship with Anakin. Um, mm-hmm. And like, as also her relationship with Obi-Wan is so interesting. And like just the history of the Mandalorians in general is is brilliant and like knowing and understanding why Bo-Katan would have the issues she has with Boba Fett is hilarious like not only is she there going you're a clone mate but also you're kind of the son of the person who really should have been in charge of Mandalore and that's kind of stuff you only get from like the cartoons and the comics yeah Django Fett ruled Mandalore and nobody talks about this enough Like, yeah. So the, my favorite thing about Django Fett as a character is essentially he went, oh, we're going to ha- they have like a big civil war on, on Mandalore and Django Fett's side kind of eventually sort of loses. Complicated, complicated, complicated. And he's banished to the point that the other Mandalorians don't even count him as one. They're like, no, he's not one of us, blah, blah, blah. And so he, in spite, goes to the Mandalorian's greatest enemies, the Jedi, and essentially goes, do you want three million of me? Yeah, cool. There you go. <laughs> uh that and i'm just like i love this man i love that that's so funny <laughs> just be like I, I they pissed me off so much that i am going to go to their historical enemy the people who like they have developed their weaponry to fight the jedi specifically and i'm going to just be like would you like me to give you three million of myself and i will train them Yes. I mean, it's why Palpatine chose him, because he knew that Django could kill Jedi. And so, of course, who would you get to be able to wipe out the Jedi other than somebody who's killed six of them already in their own lifetime, let alone make three million of them? You know, Mm. Django Fett's cool. People don't talk about it enough. And the cartoons and the comics and the books, which I get told about through my other half, kind of go more in depth with these things. And there are just some great characters in those shows who... The films, they're not, they're not even in the films. Like Ahsoka isn't in the films. You, if you only watch them, who is this person? <laughs> <Who's had laughs> the yeah. Like, oh, she's Anakin's Padawan. What? <laughs> he had a Padawan. <laughs> yeah, she's a Padawan. <laughs> she and she basically her. She kind of set up the Rebel Alliance. <laughs> that yeah, she's awesome. Uh, who's Rex? Oh, you don't know who Rex is? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but see, this is. I wonder whether 
it, it doesn't really matter so much for me because I've got such a bad the, the reason I I don't I haven't watched most of the cartoons and read the books and stuff is because I have got a genuinely terrible connection in my brain between names and faces. <laughs> so like I have to meet someone several times and uh, like please don't be offended if, if I've ever like had about two years in between meeting you and then I'd sort of look a bit blankly at you yeah, <laughs> if fine. I meet you again It'd be because really yeah, people's names just fall out of my brain I but just, the, yeah there's just so many people there's so many people <laughs> and also a lot of them look like the same person yeah <laughs> literally yeah. like oh yeah <laughs> like trying to- I mean if this if this gives you a bit of an indication of how terrible I am at names and faces when we went to see Rogue One and Peter Cushing's is in it at which point he was uh uh dead uh, I didn't realise and had to ask which who that was and what, what was going a bit awry with his face. And he was like, well, he's not an alive man for a, <laughs> for a start. And I was like, oh, oh dear. <laughs> That's my favourite Star Wars movie. Same. I would say um, so too. I mean, I actually, right, really so good. I actually really like The Last Jedi. <gasps> I know. Um, Me too. It's I my favourite of the uh, Yeah, same. The I, just, I love that they tried something new and no, it's not perfect. And there are bits of it. I'm like, yeah, that could have been changed. Whatever. But that's true of pretty much every film ever. Mm-hmm. It's definitely true of the original trilogy. Uh, sacrilege, but it is. Um, <laughs> and it's like, oh, stop. Whatever. Yeah. And then the last one, I was just like, you know what? I can't watch this trilogy anymore because I dislike this last film so yeah, the much. Last, the last film, Rich and I saw that at the cinema, and I feel like it was like one of the last four or five films we saw at the cinema before COVID kicked off, and we never, yeah, <laughs> we didn't ever, and and literally we left the cinema, and we were both like, what in the blue fuck was that? I went to the triple bill, right? So we went to the midnight showing of that one with the two other films beforehand. So we went through Force Awakens and then The Last Jedi. And The Last Jedi is so cinematic. You can argue to the high hells what the script is like. It's cinematically spectacular, it's right? It's a gem to watch and actually actual It's yeah. actually like there are moments in it that just bring me to tears because they're so beautiful. Like the bit where she fly, she goes into hyperspe- hyperspace through the other ship. And there's yes. That- oh. Mm, yes right it's just stunning and the silence in that scene and all that you know oh, just hit my mic Oops. um you know got excited <laughs> that's beautiful and then to go into the mess that was the rise mm. of skywalker where there's no aesthetic continuation at all was just like what yeah so weird and also i got crossed about to poe dameron and hux being completely both shafted as characters both of whom were my yeah. favorite characters and i was like <laughs> Okay, I think Huck is my favourite character in that he's an amazing villain. I think he's fascinating. Mm. People get a bit concerned when I'm like, I love Huck. They're like, what? And I'm like, no. <laughs> it's because he's a really good, well-written villain who is both terrifying and also like ridiculed at the same time. And that's quite a difficult thing to do. I like that. It was interesting. <laughs> and it's also a really fun thing to cosplay. Just putting it, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> And then there's Poe, who's like so amazingly flawed, but at the same time trying to be a good person. And then they went, oh, yeah, but also he was just a drug dealer. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they, they did a lot of sort of like, let's let's just put Rose in the bin, I guess. Like, yeah, like, there's just so many decisions in that last minute. I just immediately was was on a bad foot with it after I found out that they reintroduced Palpatine in like, oh, I hated a, that. A DLC of Fortnite or something like, what? like that's where he officially. Came back and I'm like, okay, like, stop it. Like, yeah. just, and like, what are somebody, you doing? As somebody, so my favorite part of Star Wars is uh, Star Wars Rebels. It's it's my favorite part. And I know lots of people are like, oh, but the animation's weird. And I'm like, I 
you're wrong. It's just different. <laughs> um, it's just different. Let pe- things be different. It's just so good. And there are literal shot for shot rips and like into the rise of Skywalker from Star Wars Rebels that just annoyed me so much. That was like, like literally when they're like wayfinders, I'm like, yeah, like the holocrons, which have an actual name and are a thing and are exactly the same thing as you're doing here, but they're called holocrons in Rebels. (laughs) Can you stop? (laughs) You know, and just like things like that where I was like, why have you done this? And like, like, like even the scene where Ray like goes to see Palpatine is like a rip from when Ezra meets him. It's so weird. Mm, it's it's just so weird. And I was like, why have you made these decisions? And then like to find out that Dave Filoni afterwards was like, yeah, they didn't even tell me they were going to use Ahsoka and Kanan or any of the other characters in like as voices in that film, you hear them at the end. And he's like, they're basically implying those characters are dead. And I didn't, yeah, okay, whatever. But like, I didn't give, I didn't, I didn't know they were going to do this and they just did it. And it's like, what? <laughs> there was no like oh. communication. Oh, yeah. yeah I think that, yeah, the, the, the biggest thing for me, and at some point we will talk about the actual new Star Wars content because I'm pretty sure I've rambled about <laughs> the rise of Skywalker like a million times. But like the, the biggest issue that I had with it was that, whether or not you like The Last Jedi, one of the things that it did was it said you don't necessarily need to be of an exciting yes. lineage yes. to be rad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can be rad on your own terms. And then this film went, naturally, Skywalker's in, in it. The Mandalorian. And I was just yeah. like, they continued yeah, that theme. Do you yeah, know like, what? That was the one thing uh, I didn't like about The Mandalorian. Yeah. That could have been any other I mean, ending. But I'm like, how are, we, how are we operating in an entire universe of planets and ships? And it's the Skywalkers again. <laughs> exactly. Also, because I was there, like, actually, considering what Grogu is like as a character, Luke's going to be the worst teacher for Grogu ever. Um, like, what we know about Grogu's this. Grogu's a little shit. Grogu's a little shit. And I'm like, no, no. Grogu needs to be taught by Ezra Bridger, who is possibly the most balanced, like, literally able to balance both the dark and the light sides of the Force because he learned from both and is brilliant and has more training than Luke could ever have. Was, you know, taught by his own master as well as ahsoka and yoda at various different points like he's a great jedi or cal mm. kestis who again has balanced these two different things and fought darth vader and didn't die you know <laughs> you know i'm like there are these two awesome jedi floating around and both of whom could have been this character could have taken grogu and it would have been so much more interesting than just luke skywalker you wouldn't even yeah. have to make up a new jedi they exist you know <laughs> Like, again, Cal is fascinating because he balances different sides of the force and, like, he learns from the Night Sisters on Dathomir. He learns from different force users all over the place, all this sort of stuff. So, like, you know, his his master was a, a Lazat and the, the Lazat are inherently connected to the force through the Ashla. So, like, there are all these different types of force users out there. So why did it have to be Luke Skywalker, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> I, I know yeah. a lot about Star Wars and I have a, I really like Lazat, so don't get me started on them because they're great. <laughs> Can I get you started on Boba Fett instead yes. then? Yes, we can. So can I ask you a question about Boba Fett to <laughs> to kick off? What's so great about him? Because here's the thing, um, right? <laughs> here's the thing. My hubby has always been like a huge, huge Boba Fett fan. But but in talking to him, because I thought maybe this is a case of me, you know, uh, not taking in all the other stuff, that maybe I've missed the ball on Boba Fett a bit. But I was like, didn't he? Didn't he just sort of turn up and then get poked into a hole with a cane? Yeah. So I have to say that I I have... Okay, so previous to watching The Mandalorian, 
I had zero interest in Boba Fett whatsoever. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, he exists. He's fine. And honestly, most of the interactions that I had had with him as a character was through the Clone Wars cartoon, which he is a teenager in and is deeply, deeply irritating because <laughs> he's an angry teenager who... And to be fair to him, the man has a hell of a lot of trauma. Let's be honest. He saw his father killed in front of him, then had to kind of was on his own uh, as a child raised by bounty hunters and had to see his dead father's face on the faces of people who eventually imprisoned him. Yeah, that's, that's pretty lot, rough. right. I'm not supposed yeah. to be messed up as a teenager, but like mm-hmm. it, it's very he's very annoying in the Clone Wars TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate him, but he is right. And then they kind of went, yeah, but we made him, we actually made him cool. In Mandalorian, they went, we made him cool. And Tamura Morrison going, I want to make Boba Fett into a Maori warrior was the best thing that has ever happened to a, like in Star Wars, as far as I was concerned. It was like, oh, that's genius. That's absolutely genius. And to kind of go, he wants to redeem himself from all of this rubbish that he's done and all of the bad and all of this trauma that's happened to him. He wants to change himself. I was like, yeah, now he's cool. This is awesome. You know, <laughs> I didn't get it beforehand. And now I'm like, I, I get this now. And yeah. I think actually having Tem play him properly mm-hmm. and having him not just be a face. I, I know that lots of people want this faceless bounty hunter thing, but actually to not have him be that is so much more interesting. Yeah. Because in the show, well, I think, sorry, go on. So in the show, you see him smile and you see him emote and you see this person, a real person who has been through things that people shouldn't go through, you know? Um, let's be honest, it's going to be real difficult being a clone. <laughs> he has to literally grow up and see his father's face in the mirror looking back at him. That's that's hard, right? And yeah. to see that in a character and to see it really emoted is great. I think it, it's much more interesting than just some gunslinger. Not to, And that's why I actually really like about Mando is because they took that concept of this character who's faceless, literally, and uh, just a gunslinger and made him so beautifully emotional and to portray that in those few moments where you see him his face or you just see the way he moves or the way he talks to Grogu is amazing to kind of take that narrative of you know the man with no name or whatever and to turn that into a really well-defined well-illustrated version of like uh, you know a, a broken human being was very very well done yeah, well, that that was one of the one of the big things I liked about Mando, and that was making me sort of a little bit trepidatious about Boba Fett was that I felt like we'd already got a very good example of, like you say, the sort of faceless uh, bounty hunter with feels, to put it very, yeah. <laughs> very simply. And I, and I thought, well, if that's like that's that's kind of not what I want from Boba Fett, then because even though arguably that's what if you were thinking based on what what he is in the film that is probably what most people would be expecting but to me it just felt like i don't think i need another version of that especially when the writing and the acting in mandalorian they do it so well i don't think there's a need for a second one of those so i was quite Mm. i was quite interested to see that they were going down a very different route with this already i mean i've only seen two episodes so far i think um so i'm not like yeah i'm up to date well i will make sure i don't (laughs) <laughs> I, d- I don't mind if you spoil it for me because I'm I'll, I'll probably forget by the time I've watched it I'm not gonna lie <laughs> I am shocking <laughs> I just think that a story that is I know a lot of people are kind of doing this whole like oh it starts with the wolves or whatever and I'm like I think we need to kind of remember that Tamara Morrison is he is the person who pushed for the inclusion of indigenous cultures in this it was him yeah. an indigenous man pushing for his culture to be included 
in this show, right? He did all of that himself. And we can't, I know that's meta or whatever, but you can't remove that from the story. It's yeah. all of the things we're seeing in, in the Tuscans is Maori culture, Tamura's culture being represented and him choosing to represent it. And mm-hmm. I think that makes it more powerful. And like, I definitely know that having seen indigenous people on Twitter and stuff talk about it, they feel it more because they see it. And the idea that, you know, the Tuscans are indigenous people who have been colonized is actually something I think we need to talk about in regards yeah. to this show. You can't ignore that. And mm-hmm. so Boba's story is something of a man who's like learning about himself and like where he comes from in regards to this and like how he can better things and i think that's you know he doesn't he's not alone anymore he he's not on his own so he yeah. can change that and i think it's, it's quite interesting and i think you know there i understand there's criticism of that storyline they're like the outsider coming into an indigenous cultural sort of stuff but you cannot remove it from the person who's playing the character he's not a white yeah. man and yeah. i think that's something that's actually important and you know fennec is being played by you know a chinese woman so they're these are this is an important part of that that they aren't they are people of color playing these roles you you mm-hmm. cannot remove the meta analysis of that from the show even if you want to it, it's not it doesn't work plus you know um he's soft and i want to give him a cuddle so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i will i'll get in the queue for that one yeah i want to um, i really want i think like tim morrison looks like he gives amazing hugs <laughs> yeah um i yeah. also like i'm a big fan of the bad batch as well i mean you've seen my facebook uh yeah <laughs> tech tuesday guys tech tuesday um and so i'm just here hold i'm just here going i want him to meet his sister where's omega where is she um <laughs> like a weirdo especially because there are uh i i don't know if it's on purpose but whatever boba's theme and omega's theme match each other they're they complementary to each other their musical oh. themes and yeah. it's really nice to like see that and just little things. Uh, there's a bit in episode three that just is absolutely like, oh, that has to be on purpose. Absolutely. It has to be on purpose that those two things match up and, and stuff like that, which is really sweet. Because as much as like I am sick to death of like the Skywalkers and the Skywalker family, I will I will fully engage with a Star Wars FET family universe. I'm like, <laughs> How's that? let's go. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, I think I'd. I'd be more on board with that myself, yeah, to be honest. And to be honest, I'm also here going, mm, every single live action show needs Tamura Morrison in it, just playing a clone. Just every single one. <laughs> like, you're going to yeah. have the Soka show and not have Rex there? Tisk, tisk. No, that's wrong. Where's, where's Rex? Like, you're going to do Obi Wan and you're not going to tell me what happened to Cody? Mmm, no. <laughs> oh God, I've forgotten. There was so much more content Yeah, out. so we're getting Obi Wan's this year, Ahsoka's this year. Second series of The Bad Batches this year. Cass, uh, Andor, the Cassian Andor shows this year as well. Or at the beginning of it. Um, I'm excited for that. I'm excited because we're getting live action Agent Callus. That's everything to me. <laughs> he's like, so I haven't got a clue who that is. <laughs> he's, he's in Star Wars Rebels and he is the best enemies to lovers. Literally, quite literally, enemies to lovers storyline I've ever seen. You kind of go, Brilliant. this guy's in the Empire and he's so evil. And then by the end, he's like moving to his alien lover's home planet. <laughs> Joyful. Oh, brilliant. Uh, it's like, yeah. Woo. <laughs> Callus and Zeb having fun together. Um, I still, Disney are cowards because it's one of those things where you're like, this was clearly meant to be gay men and Disney sucks. <laughs> Yeah, Disney Disney really like, do oh, suck at that. Like yeah, that's a platonic arm um, hang. You you definitely take this your friend 
your 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 good friend to meet your entire family on a your your hidden home planet that's definitely what you do yeah, yeah. you live there together yeah that's <laughs> definitely that's definitely straight behavior <laughs> i did uh, i've got to admit i was quite surprised because i watched um i watched eternals on disney plus last week and like i was quite surprised that they kept that they kept the game in that <laughs> i know i was like oh <laughs> i was like oh okay we haven't okay I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that will be edited for certain audiences, yeah. but like, I was actually genuinely quite, uh, quite pleasantly surprised at that as well because I had, I had been worried because Disney have got this habit of being like blowing their own trumpet first, gay couple, yeah. and then you, and then you look at the thing and you're like, eh, no, <laughs> yeah. what you've done there is you put two men or two women off to the one side of the screen and gone they could be a couple you know we don't know maybe have that that'll do (laughs) we're just like what you want about i mean i still haven't seen it but the fact that people are getting so excited about disney trumpeting like oh lefou he's gonna be gay in the in the live action whatever and then he's he's like not even in it (laughs) yeah (laughs) just like what are you what are you doing um so yeah. i was quite pleasantly surprised by that it's eternals i don't want to get too much into it because my my new thing for this year is to try not to be too negative <laughs> um unless it's in the service of comedy in which case i'll be savage but like eternals itself i found quite boring and i thought it was a real shame because like seeing a superhero team that's so diverse was just like oh shit this is this this rules this does but then they all just waft around doing yeah. barely anything and i was like oh. i find what's really weird though is i enjoyed it more than i enjoyed dune like everyone was going oh, on about okay. dune and i just sat mm. the, the whole of june i was like i'm so bored uh see i got really invested in june and i i couldn't tell you for why like i could totally understand you saying that you were bored by it and and it it doesn't offend me for people to yeah. say oh, i find it really boring but for like I was just mesmerised by June, and I don't, I, I can't explain it at all because I it's just, just a film I where think I just dislike Timothy Chalamet a lot. I just find his face really annoying, and I was like, mm. Do you know what? I've got a little bit of that going on. Like we watched, um, God, really zipping around all the, the topics here, but I watched yeah. uh, Don't Look Up. Oh right, um, yeah. Over the Christmas, and like that's another film that's like it's got a good message but it bangs you over the head so much that by mm-hmm. the end of it i was like even i i want to go outside and pollute yeah. like, <laughs> like i was i was so cross it's like you've, you've turned me from somebody who cares about climate change into somebody who wants to go and put like i don't know a bit of litter in a lake yeah but um obviously i didn't do that because i'm not an asshole but timothy chalamet turns up in that and i was like oh he's in this yeah i just <laughs> it's I, very bad i can't believe that he in any way could be oscar isaac's son <laughs> i'm just like mm, no oh oscar isaac Oof. oh mm. i i also kind of i'm not gonna lie i'm really enjoying this sort of space latino universe that star wars are creating with like yeah. poe and, and cassian and like um din i'm like this is great more of this please just more of, uh, more of everything I more of this that's not, I, and also someone that's not straight out, women, please. like because uh, bail organa um uh, and his wife, whose name has escaped me, who adopts Leia, are both Latino as well. And I mm. want them to. And people are like, does that mean Leia speaks space Spanish? And I'm like, absolutely, Leia speaks space Spanish. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, you know, I want that. That that would be great. That would be awesome. Oh, uh, isn't there a Lando show coming out? I don't know. That's meant to be a thing. Uh, well, I thought there was. Uh, I'm not that invested I... in Lando. I feel bad. I just, I've never been that invested in Lando. <laughs> Well, Lando's a weird one for me because, again, 
like I say, like Star Wars isn't like I'm not very heavily invested. I like the things that I've seen for the most part. Mm. The prequels have got hit and missy bits. Um, got you McGregor in them though, so. But yeah, exactly. So you know, swings and roundabouts in it. But like when I went to see Solo, like yeah. I loved Donald Glover in that as Lando. I felt like he just like oozed charisma, yeah. and I was like, I would watch a whole movie of you. And it is a shame that we're now leaving with this guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because no offense. <laughs> No offence, I don't even remember who it was who played Han Solo in that. Yeah, he's just not Harrison Ford. Well, he's not Harrison Ford, and also the story was just basically like, do you remember the Millennium Falcon? Yeah. Do you? Do you remember? <laughs> like, I don't just like Solo. It's a fun heist film in space. And also, mm. um, as uh, droids are a slave race advocate <laughs> for Star Wars, <laughs> they are, uh, that mm. film vindicated me. I was like, yeah, see, I've been saying look there you know um i mean also the clones are also a slave race and i will fight yeah. people about this um no, right. <laughs> no fights to be had here no i'm just like clones and droids they're my two loves and i will protect them forever um i mean yeah but like i don't hate solo i think it's fun like i it's mm-hmm. a perfectly fun film but i think the star wars films need to kind of move away from like trying to recapture the original trilogy yeah, it's yeah. the problem with the sequels because they got scared after The Last Jedi and tried to recapture this idea of the original trilogy, which didn't work. Yeah. And yeah. it's the problem with Solo. Rogue One doesn't do that because Rogue One just adds to the original trilogy and it's great. They're not, none of those characters are there particularly. You know, it's not, it's just telling you a bit more information. And it's why I'm really yeah. excited to see whatever Taika Watiti does because it's going to be bonkers, let's be honest. <laughs> And he's not going to yeah. play by anybody's rules. So yeah. it'll. I think in the same way that, you know, Ragnarok is brilliant and probably one of the better <laughs> Marvel films. I'm really excited to see what Taika does with Star Wars because I think he'll do something really fun. It's why, like I said, it's why I've been enjoying Boba Fett because it's been trying to do different things. It's been yeah. trying to yeah. expand this universe, not just and add to it, not just play with the same old stuff. And there's stuff that I can understand why people maybe don't like certain things, but that doesn't mean it's bad, you know. Yeah. I also don't dislike yeah. the fact there's a 50s diner in Star Wars and Obi-Wan seems to hang oh. out the whole time. I think that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I, I find it really funny that people get het up sometimes about like, oh, well, that's not that's not Star Wars. Because I'm like, I'm sorry. The, again, just to reiterate, we are dealing with thousands of planets across an entire universe of different civilizations. If they, I mean, the if day, you want to have a fish yeah. man wearing a sexy, sexy cable knit jumper, fine yeah. I don't, who cares I don't, I think, of course there's a nordic looking fish man why not it's a cold <laughs> planet like who gives a shit also, like, I I saw a lot of remember, it's, it's made up and it's in space it's, yeah it's, i saw I a lot of people whinging that. about the um there's like a sort of biker gang that have yeah, popped up I in Boba Fett, haven't they yeah well the um was that episode two or three because i might have three. seen three if they were in three okay yeah. um because the, the interesting thing about that is that one of the girls in that, the reason I got stuck on that was because one of the girls in that in that group is from a, a TV show called Yellow Jackets, which I'm currently <laughs> watching, that I'm very, like, wedged into. And so that just threw me a bit because I've never seen her in anything else before. And then she's in two things at the same time. <laughs> and then yeah. she's in two things at once. And I was like, blah, like, yeah. what am I looking at? Uh, my brain is so, like, dense at times. <laughs> I didn't. I thought I was a bit like, oh, the first time I saw what they looked like. And then after that, I was like, oh, OK, cool. 
that's yeah, something now. You'd be like, well, why wouldn't that exist? Like, yeah. And it's, like, I can understand people maybe being a bit kind of like, it's a bit bright, you know, maybe the dirt bike should be a bit dirtier because it is Tatooine. Fair enough. But also, mm. this is Robert Rodriguez who directed Spy Kids, so I'm genuinely not surprised. <laughs> like, yeah. Again, I know it's meta and I know people like to have an inverse universe experience reason for things, but I'm just like, Robert Rodriguez made Spy Kids and Shark Boy and Lava Girl. What were you expecting? Yeah. Machete's well, here too. Like, let's go, you know? <laughs> I just think, like, I just think people need to be, to stop being so precious about certain things yeah. as well. Cause like, you know, as much as it, it's absolutely fine if you don't like something, but that doesn't mean that it's like the worst thing in the world. Like, the turtles is the big example I always use. Cause I am like a absolute, ninja turtles nut like proper full-on insane fangirl <laughs> like absolutely love it and i i've liked most iterations of the turtles in like comics tv and film but the latest cartoon the rise of the team and teach just wasn't for me and um, like enough. yeah so i just i just still watch you know the movies that i still like and the yeah. and read my comics fa- that i still I like, like it's fun. The, the, my favorite version of it is the 2003 cartoon which i think is the closest to the comics yeah um yeah. i love that version i think it's great i think it's bonkers uh and <laughs> i know that a lot of people who were big fans of like the 80s early 90s cartoon don't really like it because it it is much more like the comics are yeah but yeah. that was my introduction to turtles and then i got into the comics and then i got into like usagi yeah through that and it's like yeah, I kind of like this weird animal, legitimate ninja samurai thing going on. I'm not necessarily <laughs> into the funny turtles. Yeah. <laughs> More, you know. And th- but then at the same time, I'm not going to like yell at people who don't like the version. Yeah. I find that really weird. Yeah, me too. Like, it's just like a big one that's come up recently is Ghostbusters, because obviously Ghostbusters Afterlife came out recently. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, a whole fresh wave of uh, that 2016 girl one. Bleh came which is great wafting around the uh internet which i loved the 2016 i, I wasn't anti- I, I wasn't it. anticipating liking it because i don't really like um paul feig's movies very much yeah. i'm not a huge fan of melissa mccarthy or christian v yeah. and i didn't know who the other two even were <laughs> at the time i was like oh well i'll see it because i've got a city world card yeah i guess absolute great. fun such a fun time had an absolute riot with it I um, loved it. I have to say, I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder about Afterlife because all the same people who I saw ragging continuously on the 2016 one are now like, oh my God, this is what the fans want. And, uh, about oh, the new one. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm a fan of Ghostbusters. I had a birth, my 10th birthday party was a Ghostbusters birthday party, right? Um, my parents like <laughs> set up like a projector in the house so we could watch ghostbusters on like a big screen it was great right it was really good really really good like and that's little 10 year old girls um, i mean i'm non-binary but at the time you know um all watching ghostbusters and so for me as a fan of ghostbusters getting to see the version in 2016 was awesome it was awesome and also because like (laughs) you had like venkman uh there there um forgotten her name Oh God! Don't ask people's names. The blonde hair. Anyway, um, <laughs> completely gone my head. I'm terrible with names at the moment. It's, it's bad. Anyway, like that character, I was like, I've never seen like a queer woman represented. No, I want to say Holtzman. Holtzman. Is it Holtzman. There it is. Yeah. Like, there you I go. Like, <laughs> queer, clearly neurodiverse, mm-hmm. femme. I guess you know, person on screen in a way that wasn't like, oh, this person has to suffer. She. She was just there to be fun and interesting yeah. and 
compliment and like nobody disliked her for that and i was like wow you know what am i looking at (laughs) and also like chris hemsworth so funny in it and like uh, the amount of people like i felt so like when i saw him and i knew he was the only guy i felt like so like awful like oh how would you feel i'm like yeah most most women bodied humans know exactly what you mean how yeah. terrible must it be that the only character that in any way represents you is a bimbo or yeah. the, you know the comic relief or just there to be dead you know how yeah. terrible must that be yeah. and like exactly I, that they're trying to make yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i'm like like the amount of people i knew who missed that point entirely because they were like, oh, I say people, men. Um, yeah. Who yeah. were like, oh, I felt so like upset that that was the only representation for me in that movie was either the bad guy or like this idiot. And I was like, hmm. What <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. I had a, I had a bit of a falling out. Well, it, it, we didn't fall out over this, but this was <laughs> part of the many things that we fell out over. But like, I used to have a, a, a unsurprisingly male friend who tried to argue with me that that film was um, anti-feminist because it, uh, it it put women in situations that didn't make any sense and like that they wouldn't have been able to deal with or blah, blah. And also that um, Mad Max Fury Road is not a feminist film what? Um, because the women need Max, so therefore he's better. And I was like, but Max also needs that. The point is that they're equal, you dumb shit. Yeah. I got real cross. <laughs> I got yeah. real cross. Now, I have to say that, like, it's got to a point where I've stopped caring about like things like this on social media. So if I see someone yeah. just making like a dumb point like that, I'm just like, yeah, cool, you're gone. Oh, yeah, just um, on. <laughs> I'm not. I just, I just, you know, most of the time they're not people I even like talk to or really mm. know because you just kind of add people you meet at events or whatever. And I'm just like, I, I feel like I'm being mean. I'm not. I just, I'm just. The world is too chaotic for me yeah. to necessarily be like, oh, person I met once, I care to, I care about your opinion. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I've I've sort of I I because I used to be the kind of person who would wade in and be like, no, you're an idiot. I remember having an c- argument with a complete stranger about why Ray isn't a Mary Sue, but if she is, then so is Luke. Um, oh, Luke's the biggest <laughs> like, Mary Sue. What are you talking about? Such, such a Mary Sue, but anyway. But I got into like a full like two hour Twitter fight with this complete stranger about this. But now I've got so few spoons for that. It's just like if I if I don't like what you're saying on my Twitter feed, I'm either ignoring it if you're somebody I actually care about f- continuing to follow, or you're getting unfollowed. Like I've definitely, like I said, I've had arguments with people about films and stuff, and almost always I'm like, cool, you're my friend. We've had this discussion. I hope we've both learned something from this. I don't hate you, you know, <laughs> and we move on. And yes, I might be a bit grumbly about something sometimes because opinions, but we're still mates that that's not an issue i don't have an issue with that it's just when it like i said it's somebody either a complete stranger or someone you've met maybe like once and you're like yeah. why am i ha- why am i bothering why am i <laughs> why am i getting so like oh my goodness and uh, particularly over the pandemic i think people we i mean people got worse definitely got worse um with these things so i just kind of went i am abandoning all social media for six months bye <laughs> Oh, I wish I could have done that, but I got rid of my Twitter. nobody would know I would have a podcast. Yeah. Well, that's true. I, I feel a bit like, oh, I needed those things to like tell people I exist, my work exists, so I have got some of them back. But like, my Twitter is permanently like I can't get into it because, well, I could, but basically, I made my partner change my password, and then they promptly forgot what they changed it to because <laughs> I knew that, and I knew Amazing. they would. And so now I'm like, well, I guess I could like go and do new passwords and reset, but it just seems like such effort. I'm not gonna do that, you know. So like, 
that's me not using Twitter. And then I perma deleted TikTok off my phone and just will not let myself download it again. So I'm like, <laughs> no, none of that. It's it's evil. Uh, so now I'm just kind of down to like vaguely looking at Tumblr every so often because <laughs> why not? And and Instagram. Yeah, I along, but we ignore Facebook, so it's fine. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of um, uh, muting words lately because like for for a while, and this is not even slightly related to pop culture, so completely irrelevant to this podcast. But I'm going to say <laughs> I don't care. I'm sure people just love hearing me talk. <laughs> um, I had got it into my head that if you didn't pay attention to sort of like. Uh, you know the latest news or the important happenings via social media and stuff that you were like an awful person because you didn't care like you were burying your head in the sand and you were an awful absolutely awful person and then recently I thought to myself but I'm not helping anybody by just constantly being anxious about Covid or Boris Johnson doing a stupid thing or you know whatever flipping anti-trans thing is happening today So, so I've just gone through and I've started muting so many different words and I'm like I will check in with my friends who I care about and see what they care about, but I'm not going to be subjected to just like an like a constant barrage of like COVID, COVID, Omicron, yeah. Omicron parties. Like I don't care. <laughs> well, I do I've care. done exactly <laughs> the same sort of thing. Like I've got a news app that I use because I used to have like the BBC News, but I found that really invasive. Mm-hmm. And so I switched to one called Ground News, which allows you to basically be like, unless there is something deeply, deeply important, and you can kind of. I th- I'm not sure if the version I have you can do this on, but like the paid version, you can kind of tell it what you want to see. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it basically only goes if there's like proper breaking news, it'll annoy you. But otherwise, it just sits in the background and you can just go and check it. The other yeah. thing it does, which I absolutely love, is it tells you the bias of the piece. Oh, that's so it'll not be like great. this story is being told is being shown through mostly left-wing viewpoints or this story is being shown through mostly centrist viewpoints or whatever and it shows you how many people from different spheres are are sharing a story and it also will tell you like blind spot so if there's a story that's only being looked at by the left or if there's a story that's only being looked at by the right and like otherwise you'd miss it and that's actually i find that really helpful and it doesn't interrupt you with those things you can just go and choose to look at them when you're like i have the spoons for this right now and honestly i love helpful Really good. Really, yeah. really good. A friend of mine turned me on to it and I'm like, actually, this is great because it's oh. not like super in your face. And if I want to engage with it, I can. And if I don't, I can just like have a couple of days where I don't look at it at all. Um, yeah. it's, it's really nice. <laughs> I, I think I might have to look into that because like I do want to be... I want I want to know what's happening in the world around me, but I want mm. but I want to know it on my terms. I don't want to like open up Twitter and hope that I see a funny joke because that's what yeah. I'm going to Twitter for usually is some stupid joke, <laughs> yeah. just to cheer me up or whatever, or to like fart out an opinion about a movie and see what sticks. Like <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's basically what I use Twitter for. So what I don't want is to then have to be like, okay, here's 73 tweets about how everything's shit, yeah. and there's the joke. Okay, <laughs> exactly. Because like the thing is. I think if you're somebody who is, I mean, obviously not, this is not the case for everybody and people have different levels of awareness, but I think, you know, you're clearly somebody who cares. So mm. you're likely to go and look out the news anyway, or switch on at six o'clock or, or whatever, you know, you're likely yeah. to engage with it in some way. Anyway, you don't need it constantly berating you throughout mm. your entire day. That's where anxiety, you know, the anxiety and shit is bad. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really hard. Like you said, it, you, I felt so guilty, like so guilty getting off social media because it meant I didn't know what was going on in the world and I didn't know what cause I should be caring about and all this sort of stuff. And then they're like, actually, 
I care about things and I care about justice and <laughs> good being good and generally looking after each other. So I'm going to kind of care about those anyway. And I'm going to engage with those anyway. And yes, I think more people need to engage properly with stuff. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. fake news, et cetera, et cetera. This is so boring. Um, but like, <laughs> you know, if we can, like, it's just that thing of like, either you're constantly thrown stuff by your echo chamber, which people in any area of the political spectrum or whatever that happens to them it's not helpful to anyone or you kind of have to be like i guess disengage with that and then either you kind of disengage completely and you don't know what's going on or you have to be thoughtful about your engagement and none, none of these are perfect solutions at all there is no perfect solution but maybe if we all just kind of tried to think a little bit harder and like that's why like i said i really like this app because it's it means that I have to engage with things I wouldn't normally engage with websites, news articles, all that kind of stuff that like yeah. I would tend to look at something, but it's giving me more information about something. If I see that maybe a, there's a story that only people in the center are really engaging with, I'm like, Oh, why isn't the left engaging with this? Mm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't change my political opinions, but it, it's good not to be in the echo chamber as much yeah. as possible but yeah. sometimes i just want to go and sit in my echo chamber because i don't want to know that people are being transphobic yeah there's also that <laughs> i'm gonna go and sit over here with my not transphobic friends thank you uh, yeah. i don't want to know what jacob rollings doing today yeah. no uh, that that yeah any any uh sort of combination of the letters jkr and, and her names are very much muted in my <laughs> Yeah. So I'm like, do you know what? I don't want to give you that because I used to get this, genuinely going to have to move on in a minute because we have talked about <laughs> nothing pop culture related for a while. And also we've been Sorry. talking for an hour and a half. But We got into um, Star Wars. Go back to Star Wars. It's fine. Let's go, let's go to Star Wars. I, yeah. I watched the new Lord of the Rings trailer. For the oh, Amazon I watched show. that. Or, yeah. or it's not a trailer. It's like a no, preview. It's, it's, yeah, it's a very tease. <laughs> but it just, oh, just hearing the way they've done the music or... I was like, you know what? I'm ready to go back to Middle Earth team. This is yeah. good. This is good. <laughs> I've got a weird relationship with Lord of the Rings because I I enjoy the films aesthetically, but but mm. I struggled to pay attention. I found them too long, and I found it difficult to care. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> God, I'm a horrible person. I was just. That's I think funny. that. I think. Uh, I think there was. I think the problem for me was uh, Frodo. Like I find him a really unsympathetic knobber, so I find it really hard to like get behind there. Let's all help Frodo out. So I'm like, why are you such a prick? <laughs> 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 like what a horrible thing to say. But I'd like. I absolutely so I adore like I love the costuming, I love the effects, I love the the like um the sets and like everything is like I could I could look at it for ages but I wouldn't engage with it really because I don't maybe you're really like care new, about the story. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're like the new show though because Frodo's not in it. It's, maybe it's about the creation of the rings and stuff. Yeah, so it's I'm, I'm, be... I'm fingers crossing that it's going to be on my wavelength, which is uh, yeah. minus Frodo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I love the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is up there with as one of my like. I love it. It's great. And I was a bit worried about this show because I was a bit like, I can't cope with the Silmarillion guys. It's really, it's a lot, and I've never managed to finish it. And I feel bad because I'm a bad Tolkien fan because I can't finish the Silmarillion. Uh, but actually, I think it's going to be great fun. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they seem to be picking and choosing, which is nice. It's not just here's the whole history of Middle Earth. Um, yeah. So that'll be fun. It'll be fun. I think I, I hope people watch it. But yeah, the trailer made me go all goosebumpy. I was like, mm, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. Especially yeah, for, for me, it was more of a sort of a like, ah, oh. <laughs> like, okay, maybe. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I, I feel like I've like in the last two years, like I've engaged with like so much media because that's the only thing to do. What I was going to say, what else? What else can you yeah. do? <laughs> like, oh. I've been reading so many books. Good lord! Yeah, I haven't read this much in years. Oh my god, I, I went through three books in three weeks. Wow. Okay, so last okay. year I've uh, I started. I st- well, the year before. I say the year before COVID, it was like literally the March that uh, that COVID was like everybody go work from home and shut yourselves in. Um, I'd launched a month long reading challenge that starts on World Book Day for the charity that I work for, and mm. uh, so in in March 2020, I read 13 books in 31 days, and, and wow. then last in last year's when I did it again, I did 16 books in 31 days. <laughs> And I've got so many books to read this year that I'm like, right, I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to try and set my sights on like 17 books. But the problem is this year, a lot of the books that I've got are quite a lot longer. Yeah. (laughs) Probably not going to happen, but we'll see. I've just been binge reading John Ronson books. Oh, nice. I um, I feel really smart. You know, when you're just like, I'm, yeah, I'm reading John Ronson. He's, he's like a investigative journalist. (laughs) (laughs) Get me and you tip your little, uh, little investigative hat. Um, I, uh, our our mutual friend, uh, the delightful Michael Giorgio, uh, has been buying me lots of books for birthdays and Christmases because he's uh, an absolute gem. What a gem. Um, so I've got like a little pile of those. (laughs) He's a man now. Absolutely delightful. Hey, on that note, on the uh, on the dropped name of Michael Giorgio, who nobody else knows. No, <laughs> there's like a handful of people who are like, oh yay, Mike, and then everybody else is like, what is happening? Um, I'm gonna have to shut up in a minute because it is literally almost my bedtime because I'm a yeah. giant loser. Um, so, do you, want like to, um, do you want to do a little recommend of a song for our lovely oh, listeners as part yeah. of my completely unnamed musical segment? <laughs> uh, so I I picked last man on earth by grace petrie because i think as i explained to you i really enjoy uh sad lesbian songs that have a jaunty <laughs> folk melody um mm-hmm. and it's it's great uh it it's is. a really good song and grace petrie is one of my favorite song singer songwriter protest singers whatever she classifies herself as ever i think she's wonderful and i will sing her praises to the heavens because <laughs> like literally some anybody who writes a song about the being non-binary and talks about how she got into a turf war with turf spelt t-e-r-f is is brilliant (laughs) um uh i just absolutely think she's great and i think there should be more just for people to be writing queer music is wonderful but also to be writing it in a way that is funny and interesting and like not just oh queer love songs oh i'm sad yeah. but to be to kind of have a, a protest element to them and an element of like rebellion and all that kind of stuff i think i think it's really nice and really good and i will and she also makes me dance that's the other thing is like any music that i'm like i'm gonna dance so this song is definitely i'm uh, feeling a bit sad about falling in love with a straight girl and <laughs> dancing about it but, you know dance is always the answer exactly it'll just you know make you feel better also who doesn't have a song that throws in a brooklyn 99 reference for no obvious reason <laughs> okay yeah that's sold i'm sold yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um the song that i picked this month is uh just pivoting entirely into much weird territory is a song called murder me by blood red shoes and it's the third single off their new album ghosts on tape and according to an interview that i read earlier today that really sort of tickled me this song is basically like a love letter to true crime podcasts 
um, <laughs> because apparently the band all got a little bit sort of obsessed with them during like the earlier bits of the lockdown. Um, and and so it's sort of like it's kind of a, it's almost a slightly menacing kind of a song that's got like sort of wafty kind of haunting kind of vocals. I don't really know how to describe it. So you'll just have to you'll just have to all go and listen to it. Um, I listened to the, it earlier. It's very good. But also there are bits yeah. feel like what? <laughs> yeah yeah well the, the, apparently yeah the lyrics are mostly about like somebody like stalking someone else and just being hella fucking weird <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know we'll go from like you know jaunty lesbian um folk song to like you yeah. know murder grunge type <laughs> track like it's fine yeah it's oh, fine. i forgot to mention that uh it, this is on grace's new album connectivity which which is a really good album as well it's it's great and people should listen to it <laughs> Excellent. Well, both of those tracks will be on the Parlour Recommendations Spotify playlist, which I will plonk a link to in the show notes. So, Holly, before we go, do you want to plug any books, any, obviously not any social medias? (laughs) I mean, I do have social media. You can follow me on Instagram. That does exist. Um, It's mostly just me mucking around in cosplay. So it's quite fun. I think it's fun. (laughs) I'm enjoying myself. That's all that matters, isn't it? So the book is the first book which has is out now is a guide to film and TV cosplay, which you can get from Pen and Sword. You can find it on Amazon. You can find W. H. Smith, Waterstones, Barnes and Noble, etc., etc. You can also pre-order the second book for a reduced price from Pen and Sword right now. Uh, it comes out in April, but if you pre-order it, you get it. You know, you get a fancy little fancy little discount there. Uh, and that's a guide to manga, anime, and video game cosplay. Yeah. And they're both full of pictures and lovely stuff. And you can follow me if you are interested in this and my continuing works and maybe this novel at some point um, at Littlest Prince, L-I-L-I-S-T Prince, uh, all one word, on Instagram, because that's the only social media I have now. <laughs> Splendid. Well, thank you very much for joining me in the parlour this month. It's been a thank delight to catch up with you. It's been it's great. It's been too I've long. I know, I know. I feel like that, that with so many people at the moment. I'm like, that person yeah. who I used to see all the time because we went to conventions and so saw each other and then would go to the bar. Um, <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, what, that, what's happened to them? Oh, yeah. I hope they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's been like there's been like a handful of people who i would only see like once a year at thought bubble i know um, so it feels like in my head it's like well maybe i shouldn't miss them as much because i only used to see them once anyway but now i'm like where are you all i love I you think because you only saw them once a year it was super special it was like a thought bubble particularly i yeah. i know what you mean is that thing of like thought bubble and i was actually really sad that i couldn't go last year it was yeah. on, but I couldn't go because it was the same weekend as one of my very good friend's weddings. Um, but we will be, I will be there this year, oh, hopefully, unless they announce a date when I am going to see Bellowhead because I was like, <laughs> the likelihood of that happening because I'm going to see them in November is so ridiculously high. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, no. no. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's on, we're going to see them on the Friday night. So there's a feasibility we could get there Saturday morning I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> <Anyway>. please Thought Bubble <laughs> don't announce that weekend please <laughs> if anyone from Thought Bubble is listening avoid Bellowhead weekend please <laughs> please <laughs> <laughs> oh brilliant well it, as I said it's been an absolute delight and uh, lovely listeners I'll catch you next month when it's going to be the parlour's 10th bloody birthday 
Oh my God. Good heavens. I don't know if I'm going to do anything because that requires spoons and effort, but. Just get a cake. I'm just going to just eat a ASMR a cake on, just have an episode where it's just me going out. Mukbang. Oh gosh. I can't think of anything I'd want to hear less than me chairing down on a cat. I'm one of these people that's got a perpetually blocked nose. So I eat really disgustingly loudly. Anyway, no one needs to know. It's funny because like I I love ASMR and my partner hates it. And so every so often I'll just be like, Hi, how are you doing? Are you okay today? And they're like, Get away, get away. (laughs) I'll just keep doing it to see how long I can get I can get away with it. But the answer is not very long. I know. Who can you pick up me? Like, stop whispering in my ear, you weirdo. And I'll be like, No. (laughs) <laughs> they, they to be fair they got me back by doing uh amazing impressions of oh, the characters from centaur world um, okay. <laughs> particularly glendale and um it's terrifying to wake up in the morning with someone doing an impression of glendale in your ear so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah don't, don't do that listeners don't no. don't traumatize your partners with terrifying early morning voices <laughs> And on that note, have a lovely rest of what month are we in January? <laughs> I've Who lost knows? my mind. Who cares? I've lost my mind. I don't know. Oh yeah, happy new year. Okay. <laughs> Time is an illusion. Uh, happy new podcast. Love Yay. you all. <laughs> oh, bye. All right, let's do a stop of this recording. <laughs> what a shit way to end the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. To get in touch with me, the titular Stace, you can follow me on Twitter at Stacey's Parlour, send an email to stacysparlour at gmail.com or come and join the Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour Facebook group. If you'd like to leave a review for the show, please do so on Apple Podcasts or over at podchaser.com. If you like what you heard enough to want to give me some money, which would be quite spectacular actually, you can go to coffee.com forward slash Parlour. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. The music that you're hearing right now is by the amazing band Starbomb and you should really check them out on Spotify, iTunes or on their website. Thanks for stopping by and I'll see you next month. Mwah!